to the Ego Sumvia podcast with me, Father Andrew Eburn. And I invite you to begin, as always, by joining with me in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant us, O Lord our God, a mind to know you, a heart to seek you, wisdom to find you, conduct pleasing to you, faithful perseverance in waiting for you, and a hope of finally embracing you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This Sunday is Good Shepherd Sunday, when the Church reflects on vocation and how we follow the call of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. But when the Church traditionally and quite rightly focuses on priestly vocation. So today I'm going to start by speaking a little more about my own priestly vocation. Well, as I've explained before in these podcasts, I came to faith quite late. I had led a, a typical liberal secular life. I had had another career as an academic. But I had already made the important discovery that my being in charge of my own life wasn't likely to lead to great things, and that discovery turned out to be very influential. I'll always remember, uh, some years later in fact, a colleague from the diocese coming to see me at the university when I had moved from being a prison chaplain to being a university chaplain. Now this colleague uh, was and is a very kind man. He came to support me and to offer advice. And one of the things he recommended to me, having begun this new chapter in my life, was to have a plan. He said to me, have a five-year plan. Work out where you want to be in five years. But really, because of my own experience of failure, and if I'm honest, my experience of my own egocentricity, I was pretty dismissive of this whole plan suggestion. And so I said to him, All my life, all the plans I ever made for myself have come to nothing. Absolutely nothing. So if there's one thing I'm not going to do anymore, I'm not going to make any plans. And I've stuck to that resolution, more or less, for the last few years, and it's been a help in my vocational discernment. Handing over the journey to God. That is the job we have to do, the central task handing over the journey to God. It is not always easy. In fact, it is quite often very difficult. And there are lots of reasons, good and bad, why we want to cling on to our own journeys, why we want to cling on to our own map, almost like someone who wants to keep hold of the remote control when watching TV. It could be for reasons of prudence. It could be for reasons of responsibility that we owe to others. More often it is for reasons of fear, of an inability to wholly trust in God, an inability to let go of the reins, sometimes an inability to give up our own ambitions, which so often we allow to define us. But here's the thing. Often, not always, but often the journey itself is a lot clearer when we let God take charge. It's almost as if our insistence on making plans 
has the effect of obscuring and concealing God's plans for us. One of the helpful scriptural analogies for this is, I think, the episode in the Gospel of Mark. The rich man, who runs up to Jesus, kneels before him and asks, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus starts by telling him to keep the commandments, but when the man says, Yes, yes, I've observed all these from my youth, the Gospel says, Jesus looked upon him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. At this saying the man's face fell and he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. For me this episode is not just a story about riches, it is also a story about faith and vocation. It is, if you like, the vocational tragedy of the man who is called, but who is not able to accept. The rich man, like so many of us, has good intentions. He wants to do the right thing. He actually asks Jesus what he should do. He even kneels in front of him in respect and attentiveness. So he must understand that Jesus has something to offer him, something extraordinary, in fact but he's not able to accept what Jesus offers because his arms are already full. Jesus invites him to follow him. Come, follow me. He offers him the treasure of a life lived with Christ. But the man is not able to accept because his arms are already full of his own treasure. And he doesn't want to put down his own treasure in order to accept Jesus's. Instead, he hugs his own possessions, his own riches to himself. So perhaps money is a kind of comfort blanket for him, a form of security. Perhaps it is something necessary to his self-esteem, a sign that he has made it, that his life is on the right track, a sign that he himself has value as a person. Whatever it is, when Jesus stands before him, offering him a future, he is unable to say, Yes. So many of us have treasure that we don't want to put down in order to free our hands to accept what Jesus offers. And the treasure can take all kinds of forms, but when it comes to vocation, a key aspect of it is wanting to keep the journey my own. Wanting to keep to my plans and to my ownership of my life. And a key battle then is accepting the journey is not my own, letting go of the journey, letting go of that ownership, handing the journey over, as I said before. And that is a significant treasure for many people, sometimes a priceless treasure, and it's one of the biggest challenges in responding to vocation. For myself, uh, when it came to accepting the call to priesthood, there was, I have to admit, a certain hesitation, reluctance on my part, I have uh, quite a lot of sympathy for Moses, who is overwhelmed by a sense of his own inadequacy, and who says, Oh my Lord, send, I pray, some other person. Um, Though I can see Moses does bang on a bit about his own unworthiness, and I can understand why God gets impatient with him. I thought then, and still think now, that as Robert Hugh Benson once said, there is no finer vocation than that of the priesthood. I just didn't trust 
my own judgment. I didn't know whether I was, for example, running away from something or running towards something for the wrong reasons, for my reasons and not God's. The bishop had spoken to me and suggested I go to seminary, but I still wasn't sure. And then that summer, I was in France, uh, walking in a remote part of the south, thinking, reflecting and praying once more over all this. And I had once again the profound conviction of how abjectly unhelpful were my own plans and my own agenda. The sense that left to myself, left to decide for myself, I would do nothing other than royally muck up my life. But alongside this convention, there came at that precise moment another, very simple one, and it was simply that, at that moment, I needed to find a church. To go to a church, and that nowhere else would do. Well, I was, as I say, pretty much in the middle of nowhere, but there was a village, and I assumed it would have a church, and indeed it did. And so uh, I should say at this point that I had a strong personal attachment to the Sacred Heart, which had been an important part of my life up to that point, because that's relevant in view of what happened next. Anyway, I found the church. Little, shabby, unspectacular building in this village in the middle of nowhere, and I went in. And that little church in the middle of nowhere was dedicated to St. Andrew, who is of course my name saint, but with a separate dedication for the altar, which was dedicated to the Sacred Heart. And that, for me, was God's way of showing me where he wanted me to be. And so I went up to the altar, and I knelt before it, and I said, Lord, if this is where you want me to be, then I will be your priest. And I went back to England, and I saw the bishop again, and got sent off to seminary, and the next part of the journey towards the priesthood. But looking back, it strikes me that the confirmation I received in that little church was only possible because being unhappy with my own plans and what they had led me to, I was prepared to listen to God and to be guided by what I heard. And as I've observed before, God is often able to use our unhappiness to get us to listen to him when we are not listening to him for any better reason. So I return again to the rich young man of the Gospels who declined the Lord's invitation but went away sorrowful. I'd love to know the aftermath of that departure. Did he learn anything in his sorrow? Did that sorrow finally teach him to put down his treasure and to pick up the Lord's? And so I ask you now, is there anything that the Lord is asking you to put down? Are there any riches of any kind, or any fears for that matter, any doubts or uncertainties that the Lord is asking you to put down, so that you can take a firmer grip of his hand and allow his hand to direct you just that little bit more decisively than you have allowed him to do so in the past?
Paul for this Sunday's Mass and my homily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold through the gate but gets in some other way is a thief and a brigand. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the flock. The gatekeeper lets him in, the sheep hear his voice, one by one he calls his own sheep and leads them out. When he has brought out his flock he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow because they know his voice. They never follow a stranger but run away from him, they do not recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus told them this parable, but they failed to understand what he meant by telling it to them. So Jesus spoke to them again. I tell you most solemnly, I am the gate of the sheepfold. All others who have come are thieves and brigands, but the sheep took no notice of them. I am the gate. Anyone who enters through me will be safe. He will go freely in and out and be sure of finding pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. The Gospel of the Lord Now, as I'm sure you know, the word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, to call, and the word which gives us lots of other modern English words with the same stem, like vocal cords and voice. So there is a particular appropriateness to today's gospel, which really emphasizes that relationship between the sheep and the voice of the Good Shepherd. The sheep hear his voice, the gospel says. One by one he calls his own sheep and leads them out. He goes ahead of them and the sheep follow because they know his voice. Listening to the voice of the shepherd listening and knowing the voice of the shepherd and following that voice. Now isn't that just vocation in a nutshell? Vocation for all of us, but especially vocation to the priesthood, that relationship between the one who calls and the one who listens. You know every now and then we are asked to pray for more vocations. Pray for more vocation, and I understand that request, but sometimes I think we've got the wrong end of the stick. Because if we look at that relationship in today's gospel between the one who calls and the one who listens, then we don't actually need to pray for more of the calling. Jesus Christ is always calling, is he not? He cannot help calling. It's a consequence of his love for us. And he has already called each and every one of us to our particular vocations. No, what we do need to pray for is our response. What we do need to pray for is more listening. We need to listen carefully and prayerfully to hear the Lord's voice, the voice of the Good Shepherd, and to get to know that voice. To make sure, for example, that it is his voice that we follow and not the voice of another agenda or even our own. Because if it is true that Jesus cannot and does not stop calling, then it is equally true, alas, it is all too true, that we can and do stop listening. 
to him. So we need to learn to listen carefully and prayerfully in the first place. And then we need to renew our listening. Because again, if vocation is about that relationship between the one who calls and the ones who are called, then vocation could, we say, be like any other important relationship. Like a relationship with a spouse or with a parent, uh, with a son or daughter, with a good friend. And like any other of those important relationships, there isn't a time when you can actually and finally stop listening. There isn't a time in any of those other relationships when you can say, well, that's all done and dusted now, I don't need to put the effort in anymore. It doesn't work that way, and nor does our vocational relationship with Christ. So my request today, my suggestion for you, which I also make to myself, is simply this, to ask ourselves, what time and effort am I putting in to listening to Christ? Am I setting time aside regularly to ask Jesus what he wants me to do, where he wants me to be? If I have questions about the direction of my life right now, am I giving the Lord time to answer? And then when our church is finally open, please God not before too long, let's all make time to get to that most beautifully conceived auditorium, the best place that was ever invented for listening to the voice of the Lord, which is the chapel of the Blessed Sacrament. What you hear there will never lead you astray. What you receive will always be what you need. And if you seem to hear nothing, it may well be because the Lord knows you need patience. So let us pray for the gift of listening. And let us pray too for the discipline to regularly set aside time to listen to the Lord. So that we can say, as the prophet Isaiah does, The Lord has opened my ear. And then hear those same words that Isaiah himself heard. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Amen. So as we come to the end of this podcast, thank you so much for being with me. As always, do get in touch with any comments or questions you might have, any suggestions for things we ought to cover. Uh, you can reach me on my Diocese of East Anglia email address, which is andrew.eburn at rcdea.org.uk. Do get in touch, and I'll upload another episode next Sunday, and look forward to joining you then. Let's end then, as we always should do, with the prayer of our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.